Opinions expressed on ACB Radio are those of the respective program contributors and cannot be assumed to serve as endorsements of products or views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Welcome to Speaking Out for the Blind. I'm Brian McCallan. We've previously talked about the retinal prosthesis on this show. The retinal prosthesis restores the vision of eye patients. Physics Today, the American Institute of Physics's leading magazine, just featured an article on the retinal prosthesis. One of the article's two publishers, Dr. Daniel Palenker, joins us to explain their retinal prosthesis research. Dr. Palenker is an ophthalmology professor and... Hansen Experimental Physics Laboratory Director at California's Stanford University. Hi, Dr. Palenker. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. Glad you're here. Physics Today reports that you're currently an ophthalmology professor at Stanford, and you're also the Hansen Experimental Physics Laboratory's director at Stanford in Palo Alto, California. One of the other authors of the retinal prosthesis article, Dr. Georges Getz, couldn't be here today, but he used to be a postdoctoral fellow in Stanford's neurosurgery department. According to Dr. Getz's LinkedIn page, he's currently a hardware engineer for Verily Life Sciences. Tell us about you and Dr. Getz's current and former roles. George Goetz was uh, a graduate student in my group initially and then became a postdoc and with him we developed several setups for evaluation of prosthetic vision using our chip. So his role was very critical in uh, assessment of retinal response to prosthetic stimulation, first ex vivo and then in vivo. What is a postdoc? Postdoc is a postdoctoral fellow. It's basically a Step after graduation, getting a graduate degree, PhD, it's a step before basically landing on a more permanent job, either in academia or in industry. George uh, decided to go to industry, so he's working in Verily, which is uh, one of the companies of uh, Google's uh, Alphabet. And they are working on biomedical applications of, and in general, in particular, electroneural interfaces. I see. Now, this is a show for the blind, and we got to talk about vision. Dr. Palenker, how does vision begin? The vision begins by photoreceptors uh, absorbing light at the bottom of the retina. Retina is composed of three layers. Photoreceptors is a bottom layer. They convert light into changes in electrical potential inside the photoreceptor cell, which affects the rate of uh, neurotransmitter release from photoreceptors to the second layer of neurons in the retina, primarily bipolar cells, which are also non-spiking neurons, so they gradually convert changes in the rate of release of neurotransmitters to electrical potential in bipolar cells, which in turn affect the signals that they pass on to the output layer of the retina called ganglion cells. These cells, digital, so to say, they convert uh, input signals into all-or-nothing response called action potential, 
And this spikes <clears throat> about one millisecond in duration and 100 millivolts in amplitude propagate from ganglion cells through optic nerve to the brain. We have about 100 million photoreceptors and the signals converge to about 1 million ganglion cells. Their axons form about 1 millimeter diameter cable called optic nerve that delivers the signals from the eye to the brain. All right, but how do the photoreceptors in these ganglion cells actually create the vision, create the vision that we see, for instance, the sidewalk, the trees, the stores in the city? Yeah, so each photoreceptor is like a pixel in a camera collecting light and converting it into electrical signal, which is then conveyed with the chemical messengers, messengers uh, called neurotransmitters to next layer of neurons. Retina does a lot of signal processing already in the three layers of its uh, uh, structure. So the signals that propagate to the brain carry information about color, size of the objects and even direction of motion. Information is encoded in ganglion cells of different types. Some ganglion cells specialize in uh, high-resolution image imaging with uh, low contrast. Some specialize in uh, high contrast but low resolution. Some convey information about color. And this way, the overlapping mosaics of these images that we capture in the eye transmit information to the brain <coughs> where it all merges in a percept. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about becoming blind. What are the causes of blindness that might be addressed with a prosthesis? The causes of blindness that might be addressed by retinal prosthesis are retinal degeneration. There are different kinds of retinal degeneration. Some of them <coughs> are inherited due to genetic mutations. In general, this class of disease is called retinitis pigmentosa, and they cause gradual loss of photoreceptors pretty much everywhere in the retina, starting very early in life. Usually, uh, these patients lose sight by the time they are teenage or maybe college age. The loss of sight is you know, global. The second class is much more prevalent. It's called age-related macular degeneration. This disease kicks in much later in life, usually beyond the age of 60. It is associated with uh, loss of photoreceptors only in the center of the visual field, called macula. Peripheral vision is preserved. The visual system is designed such that we have high resolution only in the center of the visual field, and therefore this disease is so devastating, even though we lose only central uh, part of the visual field, about maybe 10 to 20 degrees, but we actually lose the most important part of the visual input. It's a high-resolution and color vision in the center. For these patients, because peripheral vision is still functioning, they can orient themselves. They don't need guide dog or white cane, but they usually lose ability to read or recognize faces, and that's a very devastating effect of end stage of age-related macular degeneration. It is. Retinitis pigmentosa, that's where you have good and bad vision days, correct? Yeah, retinitis pigmentosa is patchy, usually leads to patchy vision that kind of uh, varies uh, with time. And the incidence rate is about 1 in 4,000. The incidence of prevalence of age-related macular degeneration 
is much larger. It's uh, in rapidly increasing with age. It's about only 1.5% of population above 40 years old. It gets up to 15% above 80 years old uh, patient uh, population. We were talking earlier, Dr. Palanker, about the retinas ganglion cells in the inner, inner retinal neurons surviving retinal degeneration. The neurons process the information through electrical in, electrical signals. So how might their activity be stimulated? Right. So in retinal degeneration, we lose photoreceptors, but two other layers of neurons in retina that I mentioned, bipolar cells and ganglion cells, survive to a large extent. And electrical stimulation of these neurons can reintroduce visual information into the system, into the visual system. And this is a foundation of uh, retinal prosthesis. So there are two approaches. One is to stimulate the first layer of neurons after photoreceptors, uh, bipolar cells. This approach is called subretinal, where a ray is introduced in place of photoreceptors under the retina, and the target layer of neurons are bipolar cells. They convey information to ganglion cells, and thereby they preserve, this approach preserves some of the features of normal uh, retinal signal processing. Now, I've also read in your article that in Physics Today that a pipette electrode injects this electric charge directly into the retinal cell. Can you describe this process to us? We used pipettes to insert them in different layers of retina to study stimulation thresholds in uh, various stratas of the retina. But this was just to establish the foundation. The real implants are placed extracellularly. They don't penetrate into cells, and they are placed as uh, you know, planar devices either under the retina in subretinal approach or above the retina, right above the retina in epiretinal approach. And the second approach is where you stimulate the output uh, cascade of retina, output layer of retina, ganglion cells. So you completely bypass retinal network and you have to encode signals appropriately uh, to ganglion cells. So the information will be more understandable by the uh, patient. Let's talk more about the retinal prosthesis. How does that prosthesis work? Uh, the prosthesis uh, gets information usually from a camera mounted on video glasses, uh, video goggles. There are several ways how this information is delivered to the retinal implant. In some systems, information is captured by the camera or video stream captured by the camera is processed and then delivered with radio frequency antenna, uh, like, you know, cell phone, like uh, to an implant located outside the eye, but under the skin, which then converts us into signals delivered to retinal implant via a thin cable uh, crossing the eyeball. This is a system called Argus 2. This is the only system actually approved for clinical use in the United States and manufactured by a company called Second Sight. This system has only 60 electrodes, so resolution is very low. The other system currently uh, two systems actually currently in clinical trials are manufactured in Europe. One of them by a company called Retina Implant AG. The system is called Alpha AMS. They have subretinal video camera, which converts 
image into current in each pixel, which stimulates bipolar cells. But since it's a camera, it requires power, so they have a power cable coming from the retinal implant, crossing the eye wall, and going under the skin behind the ear, like in a cochlear implant, where it gets its power through radiofrequency transmission. In our system, there are no wires. Our chip is just photovoltaic array, so it's a pixels just composed of photodiodes that is powered by light. So our chip is inserted under the retina. We project bright image from video goggles. Again, camera captures an image, and this image is projected like an augmented reality goggles, like uh, you know, Google Glass or night vision devices. Image is projected on retinas for normal eye optics. But because we need brighter light than ambient, we use near-infrared wavelengths, so it is not visible by photoreceptors. But it is visible by uh, the chip, so it's like a remote control of the TV that you don't see the slide, but TV set does see the light emitted by remote control. So similar wavelengths are used here. And the chip, <clears throat> then each pixel converts light into current and stimulates the nearby bipolar cells. So let me get this straight. Let me get this straight with the science. So there are these neuron-stimulating electrodes of the retinal implants that are actually put into the eye and yep. then those electrodes go towards get hooked into the unit correct yeah so the electrodes are placed in the eye either under the retina or above the retina and they are, uh, the current is delivered either through you know a cable from outside the eye or through a chip which is implanted in the eye but powered from outside or in our case, it's activated just by light, which in each pixel converts this in, uh, incoming light into current. So one way or the other, information about the image is delivered to each pixel in uh, electrical current that flows through the retina and stimulates the cells located near that pixel. Listen to the information about this retinal prosthesis and how it can give people vision. The movie from the late 90s called At First Sight comes to mind. That's where the main character is given sight after he's always been blind and he's unable to translate in his brain what he's seeing. What if a person's never had sight or maybe only even as a baby? <coughs> Will a prosthesis give them sight? Yeah, this is very interesting and important question. If patient is born blind and doesn't have visual input, visual cortex does not develop. So beyond the few years of age when plasticity period ends, it will be impossible to introduce vision and hope for, you know, uh, for the brain to be able to perceive it as normal visual percepts. And so it's important for these patients, uh, it is important to introduce uh, retinal uh, prosthesis if the problem is retinal very early in life. This is actually similar to cochlear implants for restoration of hearing to the deaf. It, it was initially done for uh, adult uh, patients who had hearing and lost due to disease. The system was so successful that actually it is now being introduced in um, infants who are born with uh, uh, hearing uh, loss. When introduced early enough, they actually develop auditory cortex, they develop normal auditory perception or nearly normal. They, they develop speech. And so this is currently the 
the therapy to, to implant cochlear implants very early in life so uh, children can actually develop disabilities. If retinal prosthesis will be so successful and will uh, provide high resolution imaging, my guess is that the same will occur with retinal prosthesis. They will be recommended for implantation early in life so children will be able to develop visual cortex. But currently, retinal prosthesis are not yet ready for this stage. We are still working at relatively low resolution. We are currently designing implants with high resolution, so hopefully it will progress into that, to that level. A clear picture. That's very nice. Um, have there been any clinical trials done on the prosthesis? Oh, absolutely. So several trials were conducted with a system uh, called uh, Argus 2, uh, manufactured by Second Sight in U.S., and th this system is actually approved for clinical use in US. The resolution is very low, as I mentioned, and uh, it's about 20 over 1600 because there are very few electrodes. Uh, so it is uh, implanted in patients who are completely blind due to retinitis pigmentosa. The system called Alpha IMS in uh, Germany is now being tested in several sites, uh, also for patients with retinitis pigmentosa. And our system called PRIMA, which stands for photovoltaic retinal implant, is manufactured by a French company uh, called Pixium Vision. And it is now being tested in Paris, in France, uh, in five patients. Actually, all five already have been implanted. And there will be five more in U.S. and Pittsburgh. Uh, this trial uh, will continue for a few years. Results so far are very encouraging. Patients, uh, uh, all patients see light percepts in their uh, scotoma. Uh, this trial is unique. Uh, our patients are suffering from loss of central vision and age-related macular degeneration. Unlike other trials, which were focusing on uh, rather rare disease of retinitis pigmentosa, uh, so each of those five patients have uh, now uh, light percepts in a, uh, their former blind spot in a, in a scotoma. And the best patient actually performs almost at the theoretical limit of our array. Uh, currently, pixels are 100 microns, so it's relatively low resolution, but we are now working on um, small and smaller pixels. Uh, we already demonstrated in animal studies uh, that uh, pixels of 50 microns uh, elicit response matching the pixel pitch, which means uh, in the equivalent of human vision, it is 2200, which is the top line of the vision chart, and that's the definition of legal blindness. Uh, and our current plan is to reduce pixels uh, by another factor of two, and get to the middle of the vision chart to the level of 2100. If successful, this will enable uh, us to really help patients with HLA macular degeneration in cases of um, what is called uh, geographic atrophy, a loss of central um, photoreceptors in the central portion of the macula. Are there any upcoming trials that our listeners can sign up for? Well, as I said, there is a trial in Pittsburgh, uh, which will be starting this fall. Uh, recruitment is ongoing. It's a, a, a feasibility study for our implant, Prima. And so if uh, anybody is interested, they should contact uh, uh, Dr. Jose Sahel in uh, Pittsburgh uh, Medical Center uh, and uh, sign up or at least evaluate the possibility of signing up for this trial. This is great information. What 
further research are you going to be doing on the retinal prosthesis? And are we going to be seeing any further articles on it for uh, Physics Today? Uh, well, I don't know about Physics Today, but we are certainly publishing articles in scientific literature, and we are certainly working on further improvements of uh, retinal prosthesis. As I mentioned, uh, we demonstrated in animals resolution twice better than currently uh, in the device in clinical trial. And we are writing this up, uh, this paper up. Uh, and we are working on a new generation of the implants that uh, will take it another step uh, forward by another factor of two down to pixel size of uh, 20 microns. And if successful, this will really enable high resolution vision and may also in improve the uh, contrast uh, uh, sensitivity. Uh, so certainly will be more publications and uh, more studies. Um, and uh, so, yeah, follow the news. Uh, everything we publish is uh, available for free on my website at Stanford. So if listeners are interested, they can download any article and read. And we also have animation illustrating how our implant works. What's the website? Oh, let's see. It is uh, basically the easiest is to just Google Palanker at Stanford, and then go to uh, there is a menu on the left about my project, so go to retinal prosthesis there. Where can we find some additional information on the retinal prosthesis? Any additional websites? Uh, <clears throat> so every company in this field obviously has a website, uh, and including uh, in addition to my website, which is a uh, confined by Googling Palanker at Stanford. Uh, you can check information in, uh, on the website of each of the three companies I mentioned. Uh, second site in US, uh, uh, Pixium Vision in France uh, the, that makes our implant Prima, and Retina Implant AG in Germany that uh, manufactures an implant called Alpha AMS. Uh, so they have uh, information about the implants and uh, some videos illustrating the uh, surgery and uh, some uh, patient statements and so on. Excellent. Dr. Planker, is there anything else that you'd like to add? Uh, no, I think, uh, well, if you have any further questions about the retinal prosthesis, I will be happy to uh, address, um, but I think it's uh, in general it's uh, exciting times where electroneural interfaces are progressing very rapidly, and many companies are entering this field uh, with uh, goals of uh, providing such interfaces even beyond restoration of uh, sensory input like hearing or sight. Uh, the interfaces for extension of memory or interfaces for extending uh, our cognitive abilities. Uh, maybe even enabling telepathic communication, so it's non-verbal communication, brain-to-brain, -brain, and so on. So it's a very interesting times. What is your email address, if it's okay to pass that on, if, if any of our listeners have any questions? Uh, again, it's uh, easiest to just Google me. My email address is listed on my website. So if you only remember my last name, Palanker, and then at Stanford, and you will find... Uh, both the contact info and description of the projects. That sounds good. Dr. Palenker, you provide hope to our blind listeners who welcome the possibility of restored sight and are interested in a retinal prosthesis that will help improve their vision. Thanks so much for joining and speaking out with us today.
Absolutely. Thank you for the opportunity to uh, discuss our research. You're very welcome. And before we go, I welcome your comments on this program, listeners. Just visit and like me on Facebook at Speaking Out for the Blind or follow me on Twitter at Speak Out Blind or Speak Out for the Blind. You can also check out my website at speakingoutfortheblind.weebly.com. More information on today's show is posted there. Just look under the list of episodes and show news tab. My new email address is speakout at acbradio.org, and my show archive is at acbradio.org slash speaking dash out dash four dash dash blind. Please note that there is a link located at the top half of the page and below the heading that says Home Speaking Out for the Blind, where you can subscribe to the podcast feed and listen to Speaking Out for the Blind shows ranging from episode 94 to the present. That's all for this edition of Speaking Out for the Blind. Thanks for listening. And remember to speak out. Here at ACB Radio Mainstream, we are always working to improve the quality of our programming. If you have any feedback about anything you have heard here on ACB Radio Mainstream, please let us know by sending an email to support at acbradio.org. That's support at acbradio.org. You are listening to ACB Radio Mainstream, connecting the blind community. Luscious ocean waves, peaceful music, inviting us to spend time together in the quiet. This show, in its sixth year and now on 10 stations, brings each week peaceful music and inspiring messages for greater well-being. What if some added peacefulness could give you some extra elasticity of spirit during your week? What if added quiet time could make a difference in actions versus reactions, in choices and overall quality of life. I'm Debbie Hazelton, bringing this show each Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern here on ACB Radio Interactive. I hope you'll join us where together our time we spend in the quiet makes a positive difference in our world. That's Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern here on ACB Radio Interactive. In the quiet. quiet. The American Council of the Blind has established the Legacy Society to honor and recognize individuals who have communicated their intentions to include ACB in their estate plans via a bequest or another type of planned gift. We want to acknowledge individuals for including ACB in their will while they are still living so that we can thank them for their commitment to perpetuating ACB's good work for years to come. Says ACB President Kim Charlson, more information about the Legacy Society and how you can help 
is available from Tom Tobin, Director of Development at ttobin, T-T-O-B-I-N, at acb.org, or by phone at 800-424-8666, option 5. Thank you for listening to ACB Radio and for considering ACB's future financial needs. ACB, 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 ACB Radio.